Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You bet they are, as they are every week from 7 to 8 a.m. And if you'd like to talk to Doug and Jess, I highly urge you to start dialing right now, 866-391-1020. They have a lot to get to over the next hour, but I want to start off by offering you a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles out in Wexford if you are the 10th caller at 412-922-1020. Here they are, Doug from EverybodyGardens.com and Jessica Wallace, are both from the Tribune Review and another edition of... The Organic Gardeners. Good morning. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from Everybody Gardens and the Tribune Review. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Wallace. Have you had any time to be out in the garden, to nope. sit in the garden? Nope. nope. Oh, I nope. had, uh, you know, yesterday I blew leaves for hours on end. Should have been planting bulbs, but this job had to be done. Thank gosh. <laughs> I got it done before the rain came. Uh, but I get, did have 15 minutes at the very end of the day where it was all quiet. And you know what? I, one thing I heard was... Uh, Two birds were calling to each other, like a mating call, and I was like, why are they, you know, and I want to find out from my bird friends, like, why am I why am I hearing a mating call this time of the year, you know, uh, but it was just so nice. I just went out in the vegetable garden, got one of those little folding chairs, <laughs> and just sat there and listened and, and looked and uh, did a bunch of, you know, I love to, to shoot pictures in the garden this time of the year, and like, I had a little thing called After the Frost. I like to shoot real close-ups of you know seed heads and stuff like that. I I can't. I don't want to believe that winter is coming. <laughs> I think everyone's in denial. I, yeah, I want to just sit out in the garden. And one thing I was thinking about sitting out there were uh, the things that are still in the ground: the carrots, some beets. No potatoes this year, though. I wish I had potatoes left. And what to do with them? You know. Uh, if you do have root crops out there, you don't have to pull them. No, you don't. I've got a bed full, a whole bed full of carrots that I always save for Thanksgiving. Did the deer eat the tops? So, uh, no, they didn't get those because I have those covered. <laughs> so they did not. They ate all the chard and with? the beets and all that. Just a piece of netting, like a piece of deer netting. Um, and I keep those in the ground on thanks till Thanksgiving, and then I'll dig them up. But we will leave some of them in the garden. And oh, so, they go. They they're like officially earmarked for like uh-huh. the dinner. Oh yeah. Oh yep. man. Yeah. And what are they? What kind of carrots? Uh, are they anything Scarlet special? Nantes. The like the famous. That's a famous. It is. Carrot. It's my favorite carrot, and I love. They're always so sweet. And this time a of famous year, carrot, they're... ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Scarlet Nantes. <laughs> sounds like it's an award show for carrots. <laughs> Uh, and they're the best flavor for me. Uh, and this time of year, they're exceptional because they've been frosted a few times. And so that then their starches turn to sugars and they get extra sweet. But what doesn't get harvested, then I'll leave in the ground. And I always aim oh, how many for are you pull? a Christmas harvest you if know? I can, if I have enough. I'll probably pull maybe, I don't know, like uh, two pounds probably. Jeez. And I have a whole big section of them. And so. what's the soil like there? It's nice. I mean, not you know, when you grow carrots, you really have to focus on the soil because if you have rocks in there or big clumps of clay and you don't really prepare the seed bed. Um, you get the carrots you, that you like to take pictures you of. You get forked carrots. Yes. <laughs> you get the ones that you want to <laughs> share. Look, it's a standing yes. 
yoga Abraham pose. Lincoln. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a yoga pose, Karen. Uh, so you you know, you do want to prepare that seedbed. And I'm no till in my vegetable garden, but I do turn the soil where I plant my carrots because I know that you need to have that nice, loose, crumbly soil to really grow nice straight So started carrots, in the so. spring from seed, yep. like direct sow. Well, these were actually, um, they were started later. They were started, let's see, the ones that I have now were started in late June, I believe. Uh, the early ones have already been harvested. This is sort of my second round. And then what gets left in the garden, then I'll put some straw. I have a pile of straw sitting in the garden, so I'll pile a couple of inches of straw. After you do the pull the two pounds? Pull the two pounds, okay. then I'll straw the rest. And then I usually put like a layer of floating row cover and pin down the edges to keep the straw from blowing all over the place. Um, and then that will get me... You know, if I get out there to harvest them for Christmas, I do. If not, you know, they're sometimes still there January, February. If I, if we have like, um, uh, the weather is, you know, if it gets bad, conducive. they can be gone. Is that right? They, they can, can they can turn to mush. So- soft. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but with that mulch, they really do do pretty well. That um, the turnips last a really long time. They will sometimes go all winter long. And I have a bunch of beets in the garden still, too, because, you know, I love beets, but there's only so many you can eat at a time. So really? they stay in the garden as well. Oh, I could eat beets day and night like tomatoes. Yeah. And I used to not even like beets. You didn't like beets I either, right? I didn't like beets either, no, until I learned how to cook them right. Uh, so. Let me go back to the carrots. So direct sowed, but when do those carrots go in? When do they go in the ground? The seeds? Oh, you, that the ones that are for Thanksgiving are uh-huh. in June. I do oh, those at wow. the end of June, yeah. And middle, middle did you experiment with, like... When I think of scarlet nantas, I, I think of, of just an old-fashioned carrot, and I'm always looking at, like, oh, there's a purple one, a yellow one. Have you experimented with all those other kind of weird carrots and gone back to this one? or The, the scarlet nantas is sort of like my staple, and then I usually do yellowstone, which are one of the the yellow varieties, blanco, which is a white one, and then I do atomic red and red dragon. Um, those are my favorite, like, purpley red ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they... I, they don't do as well. They tend to be a little, um, I guess the word is sinewy. They're a little more sinewy in terms of like they're really skinny and they just. But, I mean, it's like, are they tender? Or... Yeah, yeah. Oh, they so taste the sinewy good. sinewy is more like just the, the shape. shape. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. They're not kind of as big and meaty and crispy uh, as the scarlet nantes, which you is why. You have a lot I... of space Always for, for carrots then. Not really. I mean, sometimes I just do one row of uh, each variety, which, you know, can be like just one little section. And then some I harvest as really young carrots. So they're out of the garden early and then I can plant something else in their place. But carrots is one of those things. I will always grow carrots because we eat a ton of carrots at our house. You know, I always grow kale because I eat kale almost every day. So like the the staple crops, I'm, I really over the years figured out where I want to focus because I have a limited space. And I don't want to focus on stuff that I'm unsure if we're going to like and we're going to eat. I really focus on, I've sort of like, okay, I know I'm going to do six celeriac celery root. You know, I'm only going to do six because that's all I'm going to eat. Like, But then there are things that I do, you know, I try to not do too many tomatoes because I'm the only one in the house that eats tomatoes. So it's really kind of focusing in on what you're going to use the most in the kitchen, even if it's a more unusual crop. Like Brussels sprouts, we eat a lot of Brussels sprouts. So I always grow a lot of those, a lot of a lot of broccoli, but much less of you know other things that we don't eat as much of. Even though it's beautiful and tasty, we just don't eat as much. Well, that's of kind of how the garden, the metamorphosis of the garden, you mm-hmm. know, where early on you might grow a hundred celeriacs or something. You're just like, well, I want to, and then 
you know, you can only eat four of them. And you're like, what am I, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. what am I going to turn this yeah. into? And Even they... pepper, like hot peppers. That's one that like sort of for a long time I was notorious like because John loves hot peppers. So I would grow like 12 different varieties of hot peppers. And then we were up to our elbows in hot peppers and was like, what are we going to do with all of these? I forgot again you to know? bring you a little bit of taste oh. of my friend Dave's. If you think I'm tasting that, Elixir. you got another thing coming. It's not for you. <laughs> oh, it's for John. It's for yeah, my husband. Yeah, it's not that bad. Okay. His salsa, I just had the salsa. He gave me, you know, whenever you go and do a story on somebody and you're you're talking about the things they're making, they always they have to give you some. So right. there's a salsa, an Italian salsa, and then the elixir made out of Carolina Reapers. And even Which is like the hottest pepper. Like <laughs> yeah, it's up there. Close to the hottest yeah. pepper. But even the salsa, I had to uh relent and go back for peanut butter and bread. <laughs> that is hot salsa. <laughs> it was awesome though. It was so good. You know, you know how it is. Yeah, well, anything homemade, fresh made, is, homemade. Yeah. Uh, the elixir is 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 super hot, but he had. I'm not kidding you. Had to be three gallons of it. Oh my god! <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about. Growing too many hot peppers, and you're like, Ooh. I don't think there's too many hot peppers uh, for Dave. For a guy like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're coming back. We're heading to the phones. Just a couple of moments. Eight six six three nine one ten twenty. But first, let's congratulate Phyllis, winner of that twenty five dollar gift certificate from Sorgles. Hey, let's say hi to Bill in the car, up for Doug and Jess, the Organic Gardeners. Hey, Bill. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're doing good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm on my way to work, about as good as you can expect for that. I have a question. Um, I've been gardening for years, and I've always been using store-bought fertilizers and all that because I really didn't have time. I'm getting ready to retire here at the end of January, and I'd like to start my own mulch. I've got a huge pile of leaves out there already inside chicken wire, what else should I add to it? So you want mulch or you want compost? Compost, compost. I'm sorry, compost. Okay. Well, our compost expert is sitting right next to me. <laughs> uh, if you can, I think you really explained it well last week on the brown and green thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can make uh, compost out of just leaves. So they call it leaf mold or leaf compost. So that's and I, possible. And I, u- I use a lot of that leaf mold because I have a lot of leaves, but... I make all sorts of different types of yeah. compost. Yeah, and it takes a long time. If you're just using leaves, which are really high in nitrogen or carbon, it takes a long time for them to break down. Um, and usually it's just sort of like they sit in the corner in a pile. So that takes a long time. If you want to actively make compost on a you know quickly, you want to mix that those carbon-based brown leaves with nitrogen-based green matter. So that would be things like your kitchen scraps or untreated grass clippings. Um, the other, another thing that's considered a green is animal manure. If you have someone near you that has a horse or cows or chickens, you can get your nitrogen from that as well. And you want to have about two times by volume, two to three times as much brown leaves as you have the green nitrogen rich material. And that's going to make a good balanced pile. You build it up in layers and ideally you should turn that pile about once every week to two weeks as well yeah in the pile yep you want to turn you know ideally you should be turning it year round because it introduces oxygen to the center of the pile it keeps the correct balance of microbes in there 
it keeps them um, decomposing at a rapid clip. And when you do that, and then you don't have, you know, the outside of the pile gets in the inside of the pile and it all breaks down evenly. You get a nice high, hot temperature that kills weed seeds and pathogens. And that's really how you make the best compost. That is the best way to do it. But being the lazy gardener that I am, I do cold composting. I never turn mine. It's not as good as the hot compost, but it's still pretty good. Well, that won't be a problem. Like I said, I put it behind chicken wire. Made a big round. If you could move it, it's going to be better. I have to start. I have to load up my big mantis rotating bin. Yeah, and that would be the way to do it. And then you get a, you get a lot quicker too when you move it. Yep. Well, good well, luck thank to you. you. Very much. And All happy right. happy thank retirement. You. Yeah, go into work today. Uh, Just yeah. tell them, forget it. I'm retiring today. <laughs> uh, January thirty first. I'm out of there. Best of luck to you. Thank you. All right. Um, how about Rich in Crafton up next for Doug and Jeff? Hey, Rich, good morning. Hey, good morning. I got a couple of things. I had a guy that would mix fresh horseradish and the hot, hot peppers, and he'd smear it on the sandwiches for breakfast Whoa. or for lunch. Like he had I a lot of hair on his chest. Uh, I want to meet him. That, that sounds good to yeah, me. That guy had some <laughs> hair on his chest. Holy I, cow. I thought Doug would like that. Next, I miss your guys' uh, visits to Market District. You need to start that back up again. Yeah, we miss and, everybody, uh, but it's not starting up again. <laughs> well, my next thing is uh, with the holiday season, with the Christmas trees and the uh, Christmas cactus and the holly and that, could you please go over what's poisonous for our cats and uh, dogs and stuff, especially the glass ornaments that break and the cats could eat it and uh <laughs> get in a lot of trouble with that and all that stuff. Yeah, a lot of safety issues, a lot of hazards around for babies and for our fur babies uh, during the holidays. Probably talk about poinsettias. They're they're technically, that that sap is poisonous, but you would have to eat so much, and you wouldn't eat it. You would just taste it, and that would be enough for you. The latex-based sap is really caustic and distasteful, so usually if a cat or a dog sinks their teeth into it, they immediately leave it alone because it is What about icky. Uh, cut flowers like tulips, roses, and all that? Are you, they poisonous? Lily, lilies are the number one poison. So you always, if you buy somebody uh, Easter lilies or like a fresh bouquet of flowers and it has lilies in it, they are very dangerous, especially for cats. So you're going to want to keep those away from your pets. Um, I know with our cats, if I if somebody gives me a bouquet of flowers, I always put them on the one shelf that the cats can't get to um, because that's that's really important. Um, the mistletoe, mistletoe is also poisonous, real mistletoe. So maybe you want to get the fake mistletoe because mistletoe. I carry has, mine around with me at Christmas <laughs> party. Yeah, just, just have it always well, in your I'm pocket. I'm on vacation all week, so that's why I got a chance to call in today for you guys. Yeah, right. good. Well, thanks very much. It it is important, and even it's important with you know, your house plants, if you have curious cats or dogs that nibble on plants. Right. Yours are be like careful. in quarantine, right? They're not Our, allowed. Well, you know, what's interesting is that we started, I stopped bringing in plants from outside and putting them in the house. Instead, I put them in the garage and they overwinter in the garage and they do just fine. And then the house plants that I have are up on the shelves by the sink and the cats can't get to oh, them. Okay. However, I do have a house plant on the kitchen counter that has been there. The cats really don't get on the counter that much. We kind of train them not to. But when they, they've never taken a bite out of it, they've never. So I'm, I would like to try with a plant that I know is non-toxic, like a spider plant or something like that, and see how they do with it. I told you about my friend. But I don't want to risk. The Diefenbachia. Yeah. He had heard that, you know, there was, and he <laughs> took a piece and dabbed it on his tongue. Yeah. 
and had that no, was dumb. Yeah, had no feeling in his mouth for eight hours. Yeah. Don't yeah. fool around with this Don't stuff. Don't fool, and because you know what? You, they talk fool about around it. with hot peppers. Yeah. Don't fool around <laughs> with the fabakia and other, you know, when they say that it's toxic. Right. It could be know. to humans, too. Yeah. And it can really, you know, cause you some issues. So just be careful. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of plants. And people are always like, don't plant that. You can't plant that outside. It's toxic. I'm like, you know what? You can't plant. Azaleas are toxic to pets. So, like, there's all... Compound all years, in almost every All the years plant. that I've been gardening indoors, outdoors, with cats, with dogs, I, I've never Yeah, I've never had, had a, problem a problem with either. And that's the thing. Like, we, we we humans have been doing agriculture for a long enough time that we know these are the edible plants. We've bred them, you know, to be edible. We've bred the, out any toxic compounds, and we've, we know that they're edible. So if it's not something you would eat, then don't let your pets eat it either. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk to you for another half hour still to come with Doug and Jess. We have some lines available, so if you'd like to join in and get in on the conversation, give us a call, 866-391-1020. Folks from Butterball, Bill Nolan on the Butterball Turkey Hotline coming up next hour with Frank Dentici and I on the Coons Cooking Hour. And then it's Heffron Tillett's It's Your Money and You, Mr. Meredith Morning Commentary, Jamie Meredith, Ask the Advisor. And then it's the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday Show. We have a lot still to come today, so stay with us. Rob Press Sunday rolls on after Melinda in two minutes. Checks your news at 7.30. Good morning. Hey, we're going to take the... Uh 10th caller right now to win a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. And, of course, that number is 412-922-1020. Anything before we get to the phones, you two? Yeah, why is it always the 10th caller? Why can't you mix it up? Can't it be the 12th, the 15th, the 2nd? The Bambino's not here anymore. I believe the Bambino (laughs) was the one that was 10, 10, 10. I'll put that in the suggestion box. It'll go right along with the rest (laughs) of the stuff. Yes, that'll go with all my other suggestions. (laughs) Things will stay the same. I'm looking at Ashley right now in the producer's booth, and she's shaking her head no. The suggestion box connected to the trash compactor. (laughs) All right, here we go. Wait, wait, wait. We need to talk a little bit about... Jessica going for her Christmas tree. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I heard the Danbaugh's uh, ad, and you know that's our family tradition, is we always go to Danbaugh's Lake Forest to cut and down our tree. listen to Daddy swear as he cuts down the no, tree. No, he's been pretty good the last couple of years. Uh, and they've, uh, We always have so much fun. That's sort of like our family tradition to do, to go there, cut down our tree. We'll be going, I think, next weekend. Timber, look out, Ty. <laughs> And it, it's just so much fun because we just walk around and you take your time to pick out the right tree. And there's all these other families there. What kind do you there. get now? We, we get a canane fur. Canane fur. And there's all these families and they bring their dogs and their little kids are so cute. And everybody's rosy cheeked. And then there's hot chocolate and donuts afterwards. And You bring your own to, saw still? Or uh, you use a saw uh, I don't know. I think we brought our own last year, but some, they do have a whole bunch of saws there. You can use that. And if you don't want a saw, they actually oftentimes will have somebody up there like with a chainsaw that will cut it down for you if you don't want to do that. Aren't those great memories? I have memories of the 66 Chrysler Plymouth Station Wagon going to the local Y and my dad letting me tie the tree down because yep. he, had, he had a beer in his hand. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, now it's on top of our Subaru, never. right? Come on, Dad. We're going to go cut a tree down. Uh, just how it nice was, that is that you do that. It is. It's so. It's such a great place it's such a good family oriented place and then like when when ty was really little the part that he loved the most was when they take the tree and they put it on the shaker uh, yeah. and they shake all yeah, the yeah, yeah, like yeah. needles and old Dead birds needles. nests and stuff out of it and they shake it and then squirrels. they put it through the squirrels <laughs> they put it through this machine that bails it 
Oh, that's awesome. So they hook up the thing and they pull it through and it wraps this twine around it so that it's all nice and compact to go in the back of your car. And it's how, kind of a cool, pro- that's like a like a assembly line process. To how it. long before the trees that are planted now actually are ready for harvest? What is that? Four, five, six, how many years? Uh, I oh, I think longer. it's like 10, 12 yeah, years, 10, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. It does take a while. And, you know, they, have, they do this cool pruning now. I actually and, saw on know, the news that there's a shortage of Christmas trees. Really? Yeah, because... Really? Uh, well, that's why you do it at a place like Dambo's, a yeah. local yeah. grower, yep. you know? It's, they got a great reputation. They really do. And, you know, I still... People are like, why do you do a live tree? And I'm, I... Because it's not made of plastic, number one. Number two, it's a sustainable crop. They replant the same fields. Number three, it's very low to no pesticide use on those trees. Um, number three, if you turn it into mulch afterwards, it's a recycled Mine product. actually becomes habitat for you take it, bunnies yep. and such. I yep. just have a place where my trees go. And that's <laughs> we have a that nice, too. Nice Christmas place. tree graveyard <laughs> right. up in the woods. Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it would really not make sense if the two organic gardeners were like, had an artificial tree. So that's good that you do what you do. I get it because people have allergies to them and stuff like that. Like, I understand why some people have artificial trees. But for me, like, there's nothing better than just that smell of pine in the house and just the feel of the needles and even the needles all over the floor after Christmas is over. I don't mind that. It's part of the thing. Makes the the vacuum bag smell good. And and the one you step on in May. (laughs) All right, let's go to Ann in North Hills. Ann, how you doing? Hi, Julia. Question, uh, Jesse. I've um, had amaryllis that I've kept over the summer in the past and had them rebloom. And I wanted to do it again this year. I always would bring them in the garage and uh, let them go dormant, and that worked out fine. Now I'm in an apartment, so and I don't any longer have a garage. So at the beginning of October, I brought my two in to an unused, cool bedroom, mm-hmm. and I just put them in a cardboard box just to decrease the light. And I watered them twice, probably since then. But I wanted to bring them out and repot them. Uh, this weekend, and boy, they have oodles of green strapping leaves that I have never seen before. Always they would have died back and been yellow or brown, mm-hmm. and I had no no concern about trimming them off before I'd repot them. My question is, do I cut off? How long have they been in the box? Green leaves. How long have they been in the box? Uh, it was the beginning of October I brought them in. I always allow about six weeks, six to and that eight, yeah. has always worked. Yeah. So normally when people put their bulbs, their amaryllis bulbs into dormancy, we tell them to stop watering entirely. Um, and mm-hmm. that's that's really important to sort of let the bulb rest and shift and let the roots rest as well. So yeah. next year I would suggest not watering it at all, even though now it's probably, even though it's a cool well, wait, room, is, it's probably a little is it, warmer. Is it new leaves coming out, or are these are leaves that have been on there already that, that are not same, dying back? The same leaves, same plant. Yeah. I've never had them look so nice as yeah. they did they, they don't look as though they've died back at all. Yeah, so I think it's Can probably... Can them off? See, I, I wouldn't. I, I would just. You wouldn't. I would just say. I would, I would say no more water at all, and yeah. let that green turn brown, and and then let it sit for a little bit. That's the way I would. Yeah. Do well, it. and actually, that's what I was going to say. That's what I would do. I would let it sit in the box for like three or four more weeks. No water okay. at all. Make sure the box is closed completely, so no light is getting yeah, in there at I all. Yeah, pretty dark. And okay. no water, and leave it in there for another three, four weeks, and then. 
take them out, and regardless of what the leaves look like, they might be long and pale. They might still be green. I don't know. But then cut them off and repot them. I would just okay. let them. I would let them have a longer dormancy period because it's not the temperature's not as cold, and because you snuck the water in there a little bit. Okay, and I thank you very much. You're thank welcome. You. Good luck. Enjoy your program. You guys do a nice job. Thank Thanks. you we very much. Again. We have fun, don't we? But we were just saying this morning when we came in here and sat down. Fifteen years of Sunday mornings. Yep. All right, listen, we are going to... Congr- Rob said 30 years. <laughs> no, I've enjoyed every single minute. Uh, uh, listen, uh, it is... Uh, who are we going to congratulate? Charles from uh, Dravosberg, winner of that gift certificate uh, from Janoski's. We're also going to tell you that if you'd like to talk to Doug and Jess in the final segment of the broadcast today, you can call us at 866-391-1020. We're going to take a short break, get you caught up on sports, come back, and talk to Eleanor and Irene as we continue with the Organic Gardeners on this Sunday, November 24th, 2019. KDKA Radio. Hey, it's time for Mrs. Know-It-All. That's our friend Denise Schreiber. She's a gardener, grower, and horticulturist. Denise, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm hanging in here. I'm on the upside, finally, of a miserable cold. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. So I have been waiting for a really good windstorm, and I know that sounds terrible, but my I have that big magnolia in the back, and because it didn't really get a chance to get an early frost, and then abscise the leaves. I still have leaves hanging on there. And because this particular magnolia has really large leaves, I can't just let them lay. I do have to mulch them. And it's like, when are they all going to come off the tree? I keep waiting. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. I still have oak trees and maples that, that are hanging on their leaves. It's awful late, don't you think? Or is this just the way it, it is? Well, oak trees do hold on to their leaves, mostly until spring, unfortunately, when you've got to do leaves again. But, you know, the maples are, and my Japanese maple is the same thing. It still has leaves on it, too. So do mine. You know, so I'm like, could could we get a windstorm here and get them <laughs> off? I think we're going to get one here. I saw something in the national news. We're going to get some wind. Just so, so the, just so the windstorm is not combined with sleet and freezing rain, oh. because yeah, then I'm you... With, I'm with yeah. you on that. You know, the only thing is I now have a really good view of the squirrel's nest, because if you ever look in a tree and see this big lump of leaves and twigs, that's a squirrel's nest, because they make really messy nests. That's interesting. I don't remember the first time I saw a squirrel's nest was uh, at camp in sixth grade. We saw a squirrel, and I was like, I never thought that they built a nest. I always thought that they like lived in a little hole somewhere. I like right? to sit and watch them build the nest it's because cool. living in the oak forest, you could just watch as they run branches yep, up back and down, and forth, leaves and nuts and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll cross our fingers for a, li- a minor windstorm for Mrs. Know-It-All. Thank yeah. you very much, Denise, as always, for calling in. Yeah, I can blow more leaves, then. That'd be great. <laughs> Irene in Imperial for these two. Doug and Jess, how are you? Hey, Irene. Good morning. I have a question about mealybugs. I have a nice little room with three sides of windows on the end of a room, and I keep my plants there, and I grow my Amaryllis be around, by the way. Anyway, the mainly bugs, I've been battling them for, it's going on four years. They're always very low grade, but how do you get completely rid of them? <laughs> well, there's the million dollar yeah, question. <laughs> Why did you have to put the word completely in there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if I mean, there's. I spraying, if I stop spraying something, I check back like a week later and they're back. Yeah. And that's sort of like the cycle that you get in with pests like that where you can't get rid of every one of them and then they obviously their reproductive uh, cycles are so rapid um you know with with mealybugs honestly for me 
if you, I don't know how many plants you have and how bad the infestation is, but manual removal is like the surefire way. And that for me is a cotton ball or Q-tip soaked in isopropyl rubbing alcohol. And that's what I do. That's good. what I do. <laughs> good. And wiping them off the plant. Um, some of those plants you could use uh, horticultural oil on. Um, I don't like to usually spray in the house because just just put newspaper or something down on the floor around it and things like that. But um, I take them on the porch. Okay, there you go. Yep. Yep, and make sure you get the upper and lower leaf sides. And the and the horticultural oil will smother the eggs as well, which is something that you don't see the eggs with the rubbing alcohol when you're removing. So the horticultural oil will help with that. But check the label on the horticultural oil because depending on what kind of plants you have, like if you have um, a uh, gardenia, like you shouldn't use horticultural oil on that. So you need to check and make sure that all the plants you have are on the label. Wow, great. The horticultural oil. And keep after so it. You keep one. after it with that hort oil. You'll be okay. You'll you'll win the battle, hopefully. Wow. <laughs> I look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank All right. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. We have time for another quick call. Let's go to Eleanor in Ohio Township. Hey, Eleanor. Good morning. Good morning. I thank you for what you do. Um, I have two quick questions. Is it too, pla- too late to plant garlic? I have two bulbs of music garlic, and I didn't get them planted because I, too, had a cold. <laughs> no, you can still still plant it out there. Uh, I still actually have some to give away to people. You can plant it sooner is better than later. You know, you'd, you'd like to get it in as, as soon as you can because, it, you know, it's going to get cold. When before you do, the frost. Yeah, I when mean, you before d- uh, the, the ground freezes. Yeah. When you do put it in, just, you know, put it in good soil and give it a nice blanket of straw, and that's all you need to do. You'll be good to go. And I still have garlic. I still have 150 bulbs, maybe more than 150 to plant. Uh, one shrub and a tree yet to get in, Jess. What if I don't have straw? <laughs> uh, shredded leaves. Hmm. <laughs> I'm in an apartment with a small garden plot, so I don't have the natural sources I used to have. I never um, mulch my garlic. I mean, I okay. don't. I just, I know. Well, you know yes. what I will have over it is um, uh, pine bark nuggets. There you go. That'll work. Yeah. Something. You don't mulch your garlic? No, I don't wow. mulch my garlic. I just plant it and walk away. I've seen it where if it's not mulched and you get a bad winter, you get really tiny yeah, I'm, bulbs. I'm, it's okay. I know I never had tiny ball. I went big, nice, big, fat clothes. I don't know. Maybe I just have a green thumb. You do have a green thumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, and I also think sort of the site that I planted it. I mean, you know, my vegetable garden is protected on all sides. It's sort of like a sheltered, little sheltered area. So I think maybe that makes a difference too. So, and you do yours about six inches deep? Three inches deep, Three. six inches apart. Okay, so I do mine a little deeper than that. So maybe that helps. And some people say the th- when I say the three inches, they think that's too deep. Really? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Depending on who you you ask, I have some shallots sprouting actually. Yeah. They're really pretty. Uh, I planted them this year. I hope I hope they'll perennialize for me. I'd like to have them in one bed there. It's nice when they do. Kind of around this big rock that's in the middle of the bed. So that'll go. get sun on the rock. It'll yeah. warm up the soil. Oh, that's smart. Shallots will do their thing. And No, oh, it's not smart. It was an accident. But <laughs> it was a smart accident. You still have your, uh, your bulbs to plant, or did you get them in the ground? Nope, I got them in the ground. Oh, I'm boy. all good. I'm all set. I'm ready for winter to arrive. Well, I just want to get done, get my stuff planted, and then... Then you I can know go buy I'm, more. Well, I know I'm going to find more bulbs at the end of the season because, you know, I guess normal people don't know that you can still plant them. There's lots of deals out there. Uh, you know, I've been talking to lots of gardeners about the deals around for, for bulbs, and 
get them in the ground. Remember, the Organic Gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. Hey, guys, thanks. Always a pleasure. We'll catch up with you next week. Stay with us. Melinda Roder's got your news at 8 o'clock. And then it's Bill Nolan, the Butterball Turkey Hotline, coming up for the entire hour. So if you want to talk a little turkey with the folks from Butterball, doesn't get any better than the next hour. 866-391-1020.